Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Some free advice. First, from Kenyon Drake, always listen to your mom. And from Mike Jarecki, always silence your cell phones. You're not going to want to miss this. But first, more Buda Baker talk. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 336, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. So if we can't get the national media to talk about the Cardinals after a dominating win on Monday Night Football, maybe, MJ, we can finally get the national media to talk about a Cardinals player after once again named a player of the week. And this week, Buda Baker, NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Can't say I'm surprised, MJ. I mean, literally, the man did everything against the Cowboys at AT&T Stadium. Yeah, and I think you and I were thinking about that as we were doing the postgame show because it was on Monday night and not a lot of people know that he was playing with a small cast uh, on his thumb, but it allows his fingers to stick out. And then just, you know, I've been listening to Sirius XM Radio and just from a national perspective, they're, they're saying based on their conversations from Pat Kerwin and Jim Miller, the way he plays – on Sundays or Mondays in this case, that's the way he practices. That's the way he practices. I mean, maybe he tones it down a little bit because it's teammates, but that's just how he approaches the game. So Kyler Murray won it. He's won it. Um, Russell Wilson's won the award twice. Their their punter, Michael Dickinson's won it. So right now Seattle has three. Uh, we have two, but we still got a long ways to go. But nice to see him get recognized. And uh, I do think, as I, we pointed out over the last couple of days on the Red Sea Report and Cards Cover 2, um, you know, I think he could be up for Defensive Player of the Year. Doesn't mean you got to win 13 games. You know, you know, one thing I didn't point out was, you know, when, when it came to Stephon Gilmore, they had a really good defense. And, you know, it's not like he had a ton of interceptions, but Buddha, defensive backs, leads him in tackles. Um, you talk about getting to the quarterback, and you got to give Vance Joseph a lot of credit because he's using him a little bit different, um, maybe similar to what Tyron Matthew was doing when he was in the system. Filled up the stat sheet on Monday night, seven tackles, a sack, his first career interception, a tackle for loss, two quarterback hits, a pass defense, and a forced fumble. I found this interesting. First Cardinals player since 2003, Ronaldo Hill, to record a sack, an interception, and a forced fumble in the same game. And that is why Buda Baker, the first career honor NFC Defensive Player of the Week. And whether or not the national media is going to talk about Buda Baker, Pete Carroll, Seattle Seahawks head coach, is going to talk about number 32. On a conference call with Arizona reporters earlier today, quote, Buda Baker is certainly at the top of his game. And then he later added, MJ, you got to make sure you know where he is, end quote. And that's something that you've been saying now for the past couple of weeks. Yeah, and, you know, I was asking B-Train on the Red Sea Report, you know, who does he remind you of? Because, you know, you got to look at the size, and he's not the biggest guy, but he's he's very effective when he plays in the front seven and, and closer to the line of scrimmage. And then I started thinking, maybe he's the new Earl Thomas in this division. Now, Thomas, you know, Obviously, he was very successful in Seattle, 
didn't work out in Baltimore. He's still a free agent for different reasons. But, you know, Bob Sanders was, I think he was, he had an upper body. I think he was a little bigger, but he couldn't stay healthy. And he was, you know, a good draft pick. But unfortunately, it's not the case with Buddha. He doesn't miss many uh, practices, doesn't miss games unless he has surgery. So, yeah, I, I, I look at him and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how many defensive backs make the Pro Bowl or all pro because you got Jamal Adams up there. And he's very similar. He goes in the box. He could blitz off the edge. So it's going to be interesting, you know, corner or safety. But for the most part, uh, this this division, I like the quarterbacks in this division. You know, we'll see about Garoppolo with Goff. I think he's been better. And then you got Kyler and Russell Wilson. Well, with Baker and the comparison to Earl Thomas certainly makes sense from the Northwest and Seattle and University of Washington, all of that. And they all know one another. In fact, if I remember correctly, Baker says he has worked out with Thomas before in the offseason. So it certainly makes sense. You've got another former UW player in Byron Murphy who about Buddha Baker had this to say, quote, it's a whole different Buddha when Baker's on the football field. And that's something that we have all known because he is certainly very reserved, very quiet, a great person. But a light switch goes on when he hits the field. In fact, Cliff Kingsbury called it a savage switch, and he is always flying around the field talking about number 32. Yeah, and, you know, and I think it's contagious. Um, you know, he mentioned that just like I feel when Christian Kirk's out there, we see more balance, uh, more guys are getting targeted. And, you know, but for Buddha, I mean, it's it's a situation where, you know, when you see the guy the way he tackles and he attacks the ball, you know, it kind of wears off on guys like Murphy. He's a really good tackler. He's physical. Obviously, he went through some, a lot of growing pains. He was targeted last year. And, you know, maybe late in the fourth quarter, they knew the game was, uh, you know, over. And they kind of let up a little bit, him and Kevin Peterson getting some penalties. But for the most part, I mean, you just see the improvement and – when you look at, you know, Buda Baker, he, he's playing his natural position. Then, you know, Cliff talked about, you know, Byron Murphy. You know, he loves playing in the slot because, you know, and the whole idea last year was Patrick and Alford and it never came to fruition. So he was thrown into the mix. And I always mentioned he was covering guys like Julio Jones. And you're going to learn real quick. And just like a quarterback, a defensive back, you've got to have a quick memory. So I like where they're at. I thought that would be the strength going into the season. Unfortunately, you know, they lose Alford. Um, but then they go out and get Jake Kirkpatrick. I think that position is settling down, get Jalen Thompson back. Deontay Thompson's playing better, banjo. Um, I like that secondary, and I think they can help those guys up front in the front seven. I think there's something to be said about year two, not just with a quarterback, but every NFL player. And with Byron Murphy, you can see it night and day, just how much more comfortable he feels on the field and just being able to concentrate on one position and not being bounced around. But playing that slot corner, that nickel corner, and on Monday nights, we kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. In fact, maybe a lot because of how everyone else performed defensively and then what Kenyon Drake did on the ground game. But when you look at Byron Murphy, the eight tackles, one tackle for loss, two passes defensed, and a fumble recovery, Pro Football Focus graded him very well. And I think we're seeing here over the last couple of weeks and maybe the entire six-game stretch Byron Murphy really coming into his own and being that number two corner or that second round pick that the Cardinals drafted two years ago. Yeah, and you know, you know, you look at that and they decided to go that route. There were other guys on the board that could have went receiver. Um, they could have went, you know, I guess they could have went offensive lineman, Cody Ford. 
Um, obviously, Kyler was pushing for that, but th- this made total sense because, you know, you had Patrick going in a couple years of his contract. You know, Alford had been injured before, even though they were counting on him. Yeah, he's got a bright future, and, you know, he's only going to get better. And, you know, we always talk about Jimmy Lake. Now he's the head coach. You know, Chris Peterson stepped aside, and he was tweeting during the game. And, and, and those, he, like I said, he won't recruit a guy if he doesn't think he can play at the next level. And they've done a really good job putting these guys in the NFL. And there's a reason why is because they get coached up and, you know, in the Pac-12, they throw the ball a lot. So these guys are ready for the NFL where maybe other schools not as fast. From Murphy and now Buda Baker, both, you know, obviously Murphy in his second year and Buda Baker with a new contract extension. Kingsbury brought up Murphy's knowledge of the game and knowledge of the defense. And you go back to week one and how that contest ended in San Francisco with Patrick Peterson and Murphy both coming with key pass defense as far as making sure that was a victory for the Cardinals. And then, of course, on Monday Night Football, the two passes defense came in that third quarter in which Dallas ultimately missed a 58-yard field goal. But I think now we're starting to see and I know we get caught up in these draft picks, whether you're a first-round draft pick, whether you're a seventh-round draft pick, you want to see these players contribute right away. Week one, we're seeing it with Isaiah Simmons and all the talk about where is number 48. Yet sometimes we forget that it is a huge jump from college to the NFL. No matter if you're at Washington or Alabama or LSU, it is a huge jump and a huge life adjustment for these players to figure out, one, do you have the skill set, the size, and then ultimately the work ethic to stay at the National Football League level? Because once you're there, you're just one of every other player, whether you're drafted in the first round or an undrafted free agent off the street. Whoever can contribute, whoever can get that production on the field, they'll stick around. Everyone else, well, they have to find somewhere else to work. Yeah, and, you know, you look at the uh, the draft and, you know, I know you looked at it every week when it comes to how to tally up, well, who's doing what? And we know Chase Young and some guys like Joe Burrow are playing right away, Derek Brown, you know, um, Patrick McQueen, Kenneth Murray, just to name some guys, obviously receivers because you go through wide receivers. Those young guys are playing Henry Ruggs, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy. Um, but for the most part, I would say, if I'm just guessing, less than 50% are actually starting. From the first round, start now. They're part of the packages, like Isaiah Simmons and, and, and veteran players were telling us that they missed the preseason. Nobody likes the preseason, but right now the offenses are ahead of the defense. And then, you know, the sloppy play. Even Cliff mentioned that word in the first four weeks. I thought the tackling was better last week around the league too. And we're not seeing as many penalties. We're letting these guys play a little bit more. We're not seeing a lot of OPIs and DPIs like we have when it was a challenge. So, but I, I just think this offseason didn't help anybody uh, when it came to getting ready for the regular season. And whatever you get out of this rookie class, uh, you just you just pack it away. Hopefully they get the mental reps like Brian Murphy did last year, Kyler Murray, and then, you know, come back next year and, and get ready to go. But right now, some of these some of these young guys, unfortunately for Rashard Lawrence, he's on IR. But Lucky Foto, you're gonna get some. You're gonna get playing time here. So now it's a matter of being part of that rotation. It was a hard, long first season for Murphy. And remember, they wanted to slow play him. 
But because of injuries and then the suspension to Patrick Peterson, they had no choice. He had to play right away, and he got picked on, as you mentioned, and he was not good. But what I like now is, yes, balls are going to be completed on defensive backs, and, yes, Murphy's going to give up a play or two, but he's always right there. Yep. He's, he's locked in, and he's got a hand right there, either close to the receiver or on the ball, He's not two or three yards away, but he's running routes almost sometimes better than receivers are. And I know Kyle Odegaard, our colleague on azcardinals.com, noticed that and asked Kingsbury about that and Murphy as well because that's when you know the game is slowed down and you've figured it out. You've watched the film. You know players' tendencies when you can react and get to that spot before the receiver, the pass catcher, that's when you've kind of the light bulb says, hey, you know what? I can play in this lead and not only play, but be very successful. Yeah. And the fact is that, you know, he talks about leverage all the time and, you know, it's about technique and leverage. And you can just see the two C's. He's comfortable and he's confident. Even in the media session, he's more comfortable and confident. And that's just, you know, being thrown in there. And unfortunately, it's not ideal, but you learn and then you don't make the same mistakes over and over and Patrick told them when he, they drafted him, when a wide receiver comes out where you, you line up across him, watch his knees. He can't go any other way without his knees. So that's helped him mentally to kind of, okay, is he going to run, try to get off press coverage at the line? And he's going to have a great matchup this week with Tyler Lockett. I mean, one of the better slot receivers in football. They're fast off the break. But he feels like if he gets leverage, that can, that can help him. You, you want, you want to answer that, MJ? No. <laughs> So he gets leverage, and, you know, it really helps him. So must be very important. Mike Jarecki in demand here on this Wednesday. No, that, I usually have that thing on uh, non-ring silence. You know, by the way. Apologize. Was, That's it, a fine? It, 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 that, that should be a fine here on Cardinals. Okay, what's a fine for the players? We, like, we, we, we might have to check with the Bird Gang to see what the, the ruling is on yeah. this, because this is a first bucks. now. How about five? Uh, what's that? This is this is the first on Cardinals cover two. We haven't had a phone go off during our year plus two years here doing Cardinals cover two. I know yeah. we're doing it remotely and things are a little bit different, but yeah, this, <laughs> this this might be a fine. I don't know. Well, we might have to go to the judges to figure this one out. Yeah, you know, if let's just say the players get two fifty, um, we can reduce it to like maybe two percent. So I'll give you guys. We'll put we'll have a little what they call what a kangaroo court and put it in a pot and then we'll go out and buy lunch sometime. 50 cents right there, MJ, 50 cents. (laughs) We continue here on this Wednesday edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. A reminder, Bird Gang, to update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. Let's switch to the offense and specifically the ground game for the Arizona Cardinals because StatWiz, Mike Helm of the Media Relations Department, does a great job putting together six, seven, sometimes eight pages worth of notes, all statistics, whenever the Cardinals win. And you go through it, some stick out, some you've already known, and some are just kind of part of how the season progresses. But when we talk about Kingsbury and this offense, as we touched on yesterday, and we even kind of see the narrative shifting if you listen to the ESPN broadcast with Brian Greasy and Lewis Riddick as far as this is an offense that certainly will throw the ball 
but predominantly they want to run the football. And right now this Cardinals team in each of the six games has rushed for at least 100 yards. It's only the third time in the past 46 years a Cardinals team has accomplished that feat. In addition, through six games, 966 rushing yards, the most through six games since 1976. What happened to the air raid? Or as Lisa Matthews likes to call it, the run raid. That is what this offense is. Well, I think he figured it out last year. Um, that those first four weeks, and we had StatWiz in three consecutive weeks last year when the Cardinals went on a three-game winning streak, according to my memories. You know, I, 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 I was able to dive a little bit deeper, Craig. Um, they're averaging seven more rushes this year. Now, I took the average over the season last year. They're averaging seven more rushes, so that's about 5%, okay? And they're actually scoring five more points per game this year compared to last year over the average. So when you look at it, and the Cardinals already have 11 rushing touchdowns. They only had 18 for the entire season last year. So they're tipping the scale there. But when you look at it, though, um, they're rushing the ball about 46% of the time, and they're throwing it about 54%. Last year, they were throwing the ball close to 59%, and they're running the ball you know, maybe like 30 lesser than that. So they've definitely made a shift in obviously retaining uh, Drake and then Edmonds. The offensive line doesn't get enough credit. Again, they don't have Pro Bowl players. They don't have all pros. But as a collective unit, and they had, they had you know, replaced J.R. Sweezy with Murray. So they've definitely made their, uh, their end of the bargain. And, you know, we're going to get into Kenyon Drake uh, here because, you know, what he's been able to do now, it's been up and down, peaks and valleys, but we got to go by what happened most recently and how it's going to affect this team moving forward. Well, because of Drake Edmonds, and we have to factor in Kyler Murray, he is a huge part of why this team is successful running the football, but they rank fourth in the league and number one in the NFC as far as yards per game, number two in the league in yards per carry, and have an NFL-high 11 rushing touchdowns. So I'll ask again, what happened to the air raid? Because the perception of Kingsbury is, let's throw the football. We obviously know that's not the case. He'll do whatever it takes to win. And I think a large part of that, as you brought up the offensive line, Sean Kugler, James Saxon, his coaching staff, Steve Hyden, the tight ends coach, all collaborating to figure out, this is our personnel, this is what we do best, Yes, we'd love to do X, but we can only do Y and Z at the moment. That's what we learned from Kingsbury last season, and I think that's materializing here this season as well. Well, and, and I think, you know, usually, and, and for our listeners out there, because the Cardinals played on Monday, the coaching staff was able to start looking at Seattle film. And then today, on Wednesday, they basically had a walkthrough because they played on Monday Night Football. You got the bodies so they'll really do the install here. Um, so for the most part, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a big difference than a year ago, and I always felt this way. It's a passing lead, but the run sets up the pass. Now, some teams are throwing the ball close to 60% of the time. Uh, the Cardinals are at 54% right now. That's that's down again from last year, and they're and so in the rushing 5.3 yards of carry, they're averaging 31 rushes a game. Last year, 24. 
And this is just a six-week sample. But clearly, and what I was trying to get at is, you know, we think they put the game plan during the week, but I've noticed on game days there's times in Sexton, Kugler, and Hyden. We know that Hyden said he saw something on film. We know that Kugler, um, there was a one play when they showed a highlight of Cliff walking back to the to the on the sidelines after a touchdown, and he told Kugler, "Good call." So this is happening during the game. It's not just, "Hey, this is our call sheet on game day," and I'm not saying they're making adjustments, but the stuff that they see. And a lot of times, you know, when you're the, you're the play caller, it's like, okay, I got everything in here. I got my third down runs. I got my second down runs. You know, here uh, they're doing it during the game. And so we're starting to see some of the uh, the upside from there. He's willing to listen to his assistants and willing to listen to his players as well because those are the players who are literally in the fire, so to speak. They're seeing it much closer even though the coaches are on the sidelines. So he is – willing to give credit, willing to adapt, yet at the same time, if there needs to be a little bit more of a push or a kick in the butt, if you will, he's willing to do that as well, which brings us to Kenyon Drake because Kingsbury mentioned that he and James Saxon talked to Drake about running straight ahead, not worrying about hitting the home run every time. Quote, you're going to have those chunk plays if you just do what you're supposed to do on every play and he took that to heart, end quote, talking about Kenyon Drake. Well, that was then relayed to Drake, and he acknowledged yes. But then he added someone else had a hand in what we've seen from Kenyon Drake now over the last six quarters, because I'm going to go back to that third quarter against the Jets when I think things really turned. He had that one run that lost a couple of yards and immediately went to the sideline. Chase Edmonds came in for a couple of plays. Drake went back into the ball game. And you saw night and day, straight ahead running, straight ahead running, touchdown, and then he closed out the game with running between the tackles. Well, after that game, Drake, who always talks to his mom, did not talk to his mom. They exchanged text messages, but no phone calls. Well, his mom called Drake. This is all according to Kenyon Drake. We got this earlier today. Mom called Kenyon before the Monday night contest and asked him, quote, you going to hit some holes today, end quote. <laughs> so if mom speaks, and for all of us, we know, when mom speaks, you listen. listen. Because there's no larger voice than mom. But it was funny to see the reaction because Darren Urban asked about the conversation that he had with Kingsbury and Saxon. And there was a slight delay, and then all of a sudden, Drake seemed to relax and started to smile, and that's when he, I think, thought in his head, you know what, I'm just going to let everyone know that I got yelled at by my mom. Quote, it just kind of really hit home when your own mom is not liking what she sees out there, so I had to buckle up, start going north-south, and quote, make them tackle me going forward on plays. So yes, Kingsbury and Saxon deserve credit, but Mama Drake deserves some credit as well, maybe the most credit out of all of this. Yeah, and, you know, I followed up and because clearly they had a conversation with him on the sidelines, okay, when they, when they put Chase Edmonds in there and then when he went back in there, things changed. And he basically told us that he had sleepless nights because he knew that, you know, this is what they want them to do and he wasn't doing that, not – 
not out of spite. It was just maybe he was trying to hit the home run, and, and we know when this guy touches the ball 20 times or gets 20 carries, the team has a good record, at least since he's been here. And he, he reached that, that, that milestone of that benchmark. But he, he said he's had some, he had some sleepless nights just knowing that, you know, they want some different style out of him and kind of remind me of some of those games of David Johnson. Just where are you, where are you going? Why are you trying to bounce outside? And then, you know, when, in the game, they get uh, chased when he had that 29 yard touchdown up the middle. It's like, where did Kenyon Drake just score this big touchdown the other day? Up the middle. Sometimes it does take, uh, you know, to, taking a step back to kind of get a different perspective, a different view. And sometimes you do need other voices to get into your head and kind of like, Hey, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And all that East West bouncing it to the outside is not why we brought you here. This is not why we retained you in the off season. And those sleepless nights, he mentioned that his conversation with James Saxon, that, Saxon put his complete trust in me and told me I'm the type of back that they want me to be here and play in the system. And then Drake added, that gave me a lot of confidence to just really put my head down and grind and go out there and play like I'm capable of. It's okay. Sometimes it's not going to always work, but what do you do? How do you respond? And I think we've seen that in just six games, Drake almost hit a wall and then try to figure out, all right, I'm at this wall. What do I do? Do I just stop and stare at the wall or do I figure out a way to get around the wall? And he's going up and over the wall to come up on the other side and be that dynamic running back that we all saw on Monday night. I'm just glad that they didn't try to sweep it under the rug, you know, just saying, you know, we haven't found our traction yet. You know, you know, we've been mixing guys in and out of the line, which half right but not true because you know there are times in Garcia and Murray were in there for Sweezy and Pew um but I, it was it was obvious to us in the media that he wasn't running the same way so you, you hear from the head coach he confirms it you hear from his mom she confirms it you, we didn't hear from James Sexton but we witnessed that conversation on the sidelines and he was a different runner what you said in the last six quarters that you know in the second half um he had 10 carries for 45 yards that's four or five 4.5 yards of carry. So, um, and it, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, simple. The Cardinals ran the ball 20 times in that second half against the Cowboys, 20 times for like, and they had two rushing touchdowns. So, uh, yes, that's what you want to do when you get a lead. And that running backs love that. And we all knew he was going to run the ball and they still couldn't stop him. Maybe they just were ready to get on the bus and get on their flight to go home. But yeah. You know, again, it's a long season. Um, I never thought he was going to be a guy that's going to carry the ball 25, 30 times a game. And, you know, he was asked about how maybe you're not getting targeted. And, you know, he can't control that. But he also said Chase is really good in the passing game. So they're they're close. The whole room is close. That means Eno Benjamin, DJ Foster, Jonathan Ward, they're all close. They're all rooting for each other. But there's only one ball. And you st- I, I still um, – Think about, you know, getting Chase more involved. But, you know, again, uh, Chase is that great, you know, change of pace back. And if he ever had to carry it 20 times, how would he feel after the game? So I think those are all factors where Drake, you know, he's your bell cop. Well, and I think Drake is like a lot of those players in that locker room and maybe every single player. As long as the team is successful, as long as the team is winning, then, yeah, you can be disappointed that maybe you weren't targeted or didn't get in a lot of carries or didn't get a lot of snaps. 
but everyone feels better when you're winning. And that's the one thing about Drake. Even when we try to get the conversation pointed in his direction, he always pushes back and brings up the team. In fact, the first question he received was just about his performance on Monday night, and he gave credit to the offensive line. So he's all about the team. That's what I really like about Kenyon Drake. He didn't get a game ball from the head coach on Monday, but perhaps a fifth game ball needs to be delivered to his mom. Because as Drake said, quote, she's never afraid to speak her mind. And what she said, quote, kind of lit a fire under me, end quote. So if this is a turning point, and I'll go back to that third quarter in New York against the Jets, if this stretch here is a turning point for Kenyon Drake, then by all means, yeah, his mom does deserve a game ball. Yeah, there's no doubt. And and it, again, I, I just think if, if this team is going to be successful, you have to run the football. And, you know, Murray is is had a higher grade than Sweezy. Um, they're both pretty even at run blocking. Humphreys has had really good probably career games back-to-back. We really don't talk about Justin Pugh that much, which is a good thing. Mason Cole, so... I like where they're at, and I think they've had some athleticism when it comes to having Justin Murray in there. By the way, if you just think we're talking about one game with Drake, if you look at what he's done now for six games, it's amazing to see that he's fourth in the league in rushing yards behind Derrick Henry, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and Dalvin Cook. And he's added about a full yard on his per carry average over the last maybe game, two games. It was 3-7 Three seven, so he's at a four six right now, yep. just based off what he's done in the second half against the Jets and for four quarters against the Cowboys. So I'm look, there's nothing wrong with three seven. That's kind of average, but if you're at that four five or higher or even five like he was a year ago when those eight games, now you're at an elite level. That's when everything is clicking: the offensive line, the blocking, the holes are there for you to recognize, and you're going through them. You're not, as we saw earlier, bouncing it left and right and trying to do a stretch play. Sometimes there are calls that have you bounce to the outside, but I think we're seeing a lot more, especially with Kenyon Drake, lowering that shoulder, initiating the contact. And if it's just a couple of yards in the first quarter or second quarter, those same runs get you five, six, seven yards in the third and fourth quarters. Yeah, as a whole, and we have to include Murray in here because we know he's a dynamic duo and he's a dual-threat quarterback. Again, they're averaging 5.3 as a team, 11 rushing touchdowns. Again, they had only 18 last year. Uh, they're they're rushing 161 yards a game, okay, they're, and that's good. And we talked about the rushes being up. So as a team, and we have to include Murray's numbers in here because he, he's part of the equation here, 5.3. Uh, that's nothing to slouch about. I got into it a little bit earlier as far as, well, you, you can't factor in Kyler Murray. You take his numbers out, and I'm, I want to see a running back lead the team in rushing. And right now, Kenyon Drake does lead the team in rushing. But you're right. It's a complete package. You have to factor in Kyler Murray because that's what makes this offense successful, what he can do with his legs, what the defense now has to think about, react to, and maybe even put a spy on. And that all helps not only the run game, but the pass game as well. Well, and, and there are times when they're designed runs, and maybe that's why Chase is only averaging five, six carries a game. Um, so he's taking runs from a couple of guys, but he's very – I mean, last game he averaged 7.4 yards a carry, 10 carries for 74 yards and a rushing touchdown. So 
you know, to me, you have this just like the Ravens. They they include Lamar Jackson in their rushing. I mean, it, it, not every team, but when you have a dual quarterback, I'm sure Deshaun Watson, you know, Patrick Mahomes can run when he wants to. He likes to throw it like Kyler does at times when they get outside the pocket. But yeah, I mean, we I think you have to include him in there because if they have 65 snaps a game. You know, and, and they're going to run the ball 30 to 35 times. I mean, he, that's part of the equation when it comes just the running game, let alone the passing game. We'll see how successful this team is running the football against the Seahawks, a top 10 defense against the run as far as rushing yards per game and rushing yards per play. That defense gives up a lot of yards, but when it comes to running the football, they're very tough to run against. Yeah, and they got they they have a good scheme, you know. He, Ken Norton Jr. has done a good job there. Um, you know, obviously they had good coordinators in the past with Gus Bradley and Dan Quinn. Um, but yeah, but I, I think the Cardinals feel like they can throw on them, but you still got to run the ball. Now, when you, when you look at it though, from Seattle standpoint, I mean, this these guys are like road dogs. They were seven and one on the road last year, and and over the years, Craig, they they they've been really good on the road. And like the year before, they were six and two, or 2013, they were six and two. They've been five and three. And we go back, and we're going to get into the Seahawks obviously over the next couple of days. But you go back to that first game. I looked it up early today, and that's when Kyler Murray threw that uh, pick six to Javadavion Clowney, and you know he learned how to throw the screen pass. And now he just throws it in the ground, live for another play, party's over. But then the Cardinals, when I went up there late in the year, when Kyler Murray, and you're gonna you're gonna quote what he said about that first meeting, when they went up there, they they ran the ball 40 times on the Seahawks, so that could be the recipe, um, because that was probably their signature win of the season last year. You know, nothing against the Giants and uh, Cincinnati. You know, some of those games, obviously, they lost both to the Niners, lost to the Rams, but they split with the Seahawks. But that could be the recipe, and of course, Kenyon Drake. He had a really good game up there in Seattle. So, again, I still think they can throw on him, but if they can just establish the run, play action. And I've asked three different people this week, including Christian Kirk. I've asked Cliff Kingsbury. When Kirk's in the game, and I and Murray agreed, it just seems like there's – I don't know if balance is the right word because they're still running and throwing, but it just seems like the ball's getting spread out more. And I was listening to Dan Orlovsky earlier, and he wanted to talk about these young quarterbacks. And, you know, he, he, he's really knowledgeable. He did play for Sean McVay his first year there with Goff. So he said he mentioned Murray, Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, where a young quarterback always tries to go to the number one wide receiver, and then after that they improvise. Well, he said Sean McVay in practice would have the corner, their top corner, go on the number one wide receiver. So it forced Goff to start looking at the second and third progressions. And it's working now because now he's got, you know, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. And, you know, Kyler, obviously, he's he's not concerned about the accuracy. We, we'll, I'll chalk it up with the butterflies just going back there. And, you know, even though he's comfortable, you still got to play under the big lights. And last thing you want to do out there is step on your, you know, step on your toes and not perform. But it's interesting how. You know, and I thought that was happening early. Now, in fairness to the Cardinals coaching staff and Cliff and Kyler and Hop, they weren't covering him. But sometimes you can key on that number one guy because you know he has to, you know, put up big numbers. But I think with Christian Kirk on the field, Larry and Isabella, even Chase Edmonds, 
I don't think he's forcing the ball to DeAndre Hopkins, and Hopkins only had two passes for 25 yards, and I don't know if he was thrilled with that in the first half. No, he's not forcing the issue. He's just misfiring on a lot of those passes to Hopkins and to Fitz. I mean, I'm okay if they're batted down or if they're contested. It's when they're overthrown or you're missing them by a wide margin. I think that is when the accuracy conversation comes into play. And I think that's footwork, uh, release point, you know, you got to get comfortable. And he does a really good job that you've been out there for the open portion where he's just, he's, he's on his balls of his feet and he's chopping his feet where he can, you know, kind of figure it out. But then once you release that ball, you got to put that back foot in the ground and then you got to follow through. Obviously his father taught him at a young age how to throw a baseball and a football. So I'm not giving him any tips he doesn't know. Um, but that's something that I, I, First couple of weeks, I thought, but they weren't covering Hopkins, so it's hard to, to say spread it around. And, and when Kirk's in the game, I just think this offense flows a lot better. Just like last year when Max Williams came in, I thought the offense found their identity going more 11 personnel with a tight end. Back to your point about Murray and what he had to say about the two matchups against the Seahawks. They were certainly spread apart, so it's kind of a good look as far as where he felt most comfortable in that first meeting versus the second meeting. He just said more comfortable in the pocket and in the offense. I'll say this much. I guarantee he's happy Jadavian Clowney is not wearing a Seahawks uniform this week. So he doesn't have to worry about that, but he did learn a lesson. You got to make sure you put that ball a little bit more air under it so it gets over the outstretched arms of these defenders because all of a sudden a six foot four guy looks like he's seven five, seven seven. And we did see a ball batted down at the line of scrimmage on Monday night. So it is happening. It's just not happening a lot. And I think he is getting used to as far as where those throwing lanes are at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, the screenplay is interesting because you definitely want to sell it. And sometimes you need a running back unless you're throwing to it. And the Cardinals did have two running backs in the game. Not a lot, but there were at, you know a couple plays, so to speak. Um, and so you, then you want, you want to make sure the linemen rush up the field. And then you go back, go back, go back, and then you try to and, – and I give him credit because he's not taking sacks and he's throwing the ball in the dirt when he's outside the pack, uh, tackle box. So he's not taking an intentional ground and lost it down and stuff like that. So he's definitely learned from that. I just wish you know, they would run the screen game and defend it a little bit better. It's, it's, it's been going on for years. And you know we had Larry Centers here, and even when Terrell Smith was here, um, they were able to you know have that fullback in there. So – it's a little bit different out of fullback, but I do think when Max Williams comes back, he's going to be your H-back. He's going to line up in the backfield and then obviously be able to chip the guys on the edge if they want to spread people out. So uh, I'm looking forward to Max Williams come back, and, and hopefully Dan Arnold, I know a lot of hype, and I was guilty of it. Um, you know, He's just got to you know focus on blocking, and when he's open, he's got to catch the football. Bird Gang, subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Rage, The Cardinals Red Sea Report, and, of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. Typically on Tuesdays, we take a look inside the NFC West with a shortened week and a game on Monday became a little bit more difficult to do. So let's kind of squeeze it in here on this Wednesday episode of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. We know the Seahawks did not play last week. They'll be in town on Sunday at State Farm Stadium to play the Cardinals. So a lot to discuss with the Seahawks over the next couple of days. 
Yeah, and you know, you talked about last year they played them early, and then there was a you know time frame in between there where obviously the Cardinals were able to get the victory. Seattle is really this five game gauntlet, and who knows if they're going to go five and zero? But at Arizona, at home against San Francisco, at Buffalo, at the Rams, and then they come to um, and then the Cardinals go up there. So from that standpoint, I mean, this is a five game gauntlet. Gauntlet. Now they do have to play the Jets and Giants and Redskins, or excuse me, Washington football team in 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 December, and they finish out with the with the San Francisco 49ers. So they look at this point right here. If they can go four and one or three and two, that probably is going to be enough to lock up the number one seed uh, in the NFC West. Well, let's hope the Cardinals put that first blemish on what is now a five and zero record, the only unbeaten team. In the NFC, you look at the rest of the division. The Rams are four and two. The 49ers are three and three. But the 49ers, maybe with some bragging rights on the Rams, they beat the Rams on Sunday night football 24 to 16. Really a surprising outcome, I think, if you look at it and being honest. The Rams, certainly the favorites, even though it was one of those games that, you know, on the road, and with a banged-up 49ers team, yet Jimmy Garoppolo, 268 yards, three touchdowns. George Kittle, seven catches, 109 yards, a touchdown. The 49ers offense looked very, very good and kept Aaron Donald on the sideline. I don't know how many different cutaways there was on NBC, a big number 99, watching instead of being on the field. And I thought that was telling because the 49ers took Aaron Donald out of that contest, and that's not always easy to do. In fact, it's rare to do. And, you know, you start looking at Trent Williams and, and everyone thought, wow, they got this guy for a third-round pick. He clearly was, you know, didn't want to play in Washington anymore because of the medical staff. And he's given up sacks this year. He's jumping off sides. He's got holding penalties. And he had an injury in that game. And so that's impressive that they were able to do that. And, um, you know, uh, Kyle Shanahan, you know, they're playing this week. They're playing the uh, New England Patriots. And Bill Belichick said, I – I've gone against Kyle for a long time when he was in Washington as EOC in Atlanta um, and, and, and obviously in the Super Bowl when he was with the, the Falcons. And he thinks, when we talk about all the time, the motion and shifting, he said it's very confusing. So you, you got to give Kyle Shanahan you know, credit. I know they played the Jets and Giants in back-to-back weeks. They stayed up there at the Green Buyer. But those games weren't even close, and I know you're supposed to win those games. So you know, I wouldn't throw dirt on them. Um, but they, what's interesting is they don't have a winning record at home. Yeah, that was their first home win of the season, beating the Rams. Yeah, so I think it's going to go neck and neck, and hopefully, you know, um, I think that we're all going to beat each other up, but this would be a really um, great opportunity for the Cardinals um, to obviously get this game. But, yeah, um, you know, I think the worst team in the division could be 8-8. Eight and eight. And that's and that right now the NFC West by like two or three games or the eight NFC East. One note injury note as far as the 49ers are concerned, running back Raheem Mostert hurt his ankle and that might keep him out of action for a couple of weeks. And you touched on it. The 49ers travel to New England, play the Patriots. And of course, the storyline that is going to be beaten to death all week long is Jimmy Garoppolo facing his former team and that decision by Bill Belichick to trade Garoppolo to San Francisco. Meanwhile, the Rams. They'll host the Bears on Monday night football, and this will try to be a, a good test for the Rams. Jared Goff was very critical of his own play against the 49ers, 198 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. Quote, clearly it wasn't my best. 
And this Bears defense, not a lot of people talking about them, but they're a top five scoring defense and a little bit under the radar when you talk about defenses across the league. Yeah, just look at their record. I think they made the right choice going with Nick Foles. To me, as a gamer, um, you know, obviously it didn't work out for him in Jacksonville, and they went with Carter Minshew. But you know, Nick Foles to me, he's a guy that he may be down early in the game, but he's going to make some throws. Allen Robinson doesn't get the credit he deserves, um, and, and you got to give Chuck Pagano credit because it wasn't easy to replace Vic Fangio. Fangio, you know, he had that defense rolling. And they make that trade for Khalil Mack. I thought Mack had a down year last year, but he's back to where he is now. And then you throw in some of their pass rushers, and Eddie Jackson's a really good defender. So we'll see. But uh, the Rams definitely are trying to run the ball more. They're not. They're not throwing. They're, they're kind of similar to the Cardinals. They're not throwing it um, as much. More balance in our offense, whether it's fifty-three to forty-seven or you know, 54 to 46. So I think they feel like running back by committee is working. And I don't think they miss Todd Gurley. I really don't. You look at the NFC West standings, the Seahawks 5-0, and the Cardinals 4-2, and ahead of the Rams, who also are at 4-2, and and then the 49ers at 3-3. Three and three. The Cardinals, though, 1-0 and in the division. That's why this game coming up on Sunday can be so huge. You move to 2-0 and in the division. You put that first red mark in the loss column for the Seahawks. And all of a sudden, now you start looking ahead and figuring out, hey, if you want to be a playoff team or be considered, uh, you know, to win the NFC West, you need to be able to win these division contests, especially the ones at home. Yeah, that's why, you know, I'm still, uh, I, I, I need to move on, but that's why I'm still disappointed in the Lions and Panthers loss because those are conference games. And, and again, AFC counts it just as much as the NFC, but we know when it comes to tiebreakers and head-to-head, you want to have an advantage. And I do think the Cardinals will have more wins than the Panthers and Lions when it's all said and done. All right, MJ, uh, I expect that uh, fine money uh, first thing tomorrow morning. We don't accept checks here on Cardinals Cover 2. We want cold, hard. <laughs> we want cold, hard cash here. Okay, well, they're running out of coins, so I'll give you cash. A lesson learned, folks. Always silence your cell phones. And, of course, as we discussed earlier, always listen to your mom as yes, well. Yes, oh, definitely. And when she calls you by your first and middle name, you know she means business. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to throw this person under the bus, but they were trying to set up an interview down the road, and you know, I, I guess they don't realize that we're taping our show, so I'm going to let them know that. Uh, they interrupted our show, but we're going to keep it in the podcast. We don't, we don't deal yeah. with excuses here. We don't need to hear any excuses, MG. We just want results. We're a results-driven business. Remember That's right. that? Space no down production, right? On, on that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.